Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Alright, welcome, welcome everybody. Thanks for turning back in to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Weiner, coming to you live from, obviously, the fabulous Las Vegas. It's good to have you back, and hopefully everybody had a good Christmas, good holidays, uh, whatever it is that you're celebrating, and uh, looking forward to a wonderful new year coming up this week, uh, 2020, new decade, new start, and hopefully with some of the episodes we have coming up, we can get you on track for a fabulous new year. In fact, just to give you a little primer for the new year, um, I've got a great guest lined up uh, to start the year. Her name is Kara Yuri Lott, and she is a couple therapist here in Las Vegas. She's been practicing for 17 years like myself, and we actually were in the same program at the same time and have kind of come up through the process in a similar manner, and we both have private practices. And uh, she's just amazing. She's a wonderful therapist. Uh, I've taken a lot from her over the years, and it's going to be good to have her on. She's going to come on and talk about some things we can do as couples to improve our relationship for the coming year and I know it's going to be some good stuff so look forward for that episode as well as some other great episodes in January with some other great guests Um, it's going to be a great month going to try to really start off the new year with a bang and have lots of information for you Uh, so look forward to that also in the coming year uh, to start the year I'm going to do another contest and again for that uh, look for the Facebook group uh, the Vegas Therapist Ryan Winder Facebook group and the details will be coming up on that I think that's a better way to run the contest through there more people seem to have access and then there's not the delay of when you listen to the podcast or you know kind of getting that information out so I'm going to run that one through the Facebook group so if you haven't joined that group go ahead and do that um, also again just keep hitting me with your emails and your recommendations topics that you'd like to focus on one of the topics today is is another request that I've had and it's kind of a tie-in it, it fit good it was somebody it was an episode that somebody wanted me to talk about but it's also a tie-in to the previous episode with Dan and his um, not necessarily the shame part but we touched briefly a little bit on being a victim or having a victim mindset or playing the victim and so I want to do an episode on that because I think that's something that um, needs some further understanding or some discussion because I think we all know somebody or have been in contact with somebody who is a victim or uh, plays the victim role um, and you know they, they seem to kind of be perpetual at that and they seem that they kind of thrive in that role I think again we all know those people they also seem to find a way no matter what the circumstances to kind of put themselves in that victim place so those are kind of that's the kind of dynamic we're gonna be talking about today is being a victim and what that looks like and and also we're gonna talk about how to get out of that role and how to not be the victim and some really interesting stuff about what kind of being the victim takes away from us in our life and I think you'll be surprised to hear what I have to say on that so anyway uh, sit back relax enjoy the time and just take in the information I think to kind of start out with I just want to kind of emphasize that you know victims for me personally I think they can be very delicate and a difficult kind of population to deal with Um, they seem to be easily offended and are often looking for reasons that they are being victimized and that's 
really one of the biggest challenges is that they're they tend to be looking for any type of reason or uh, yeah just really any type of reason that to kind of reinforce that feeling of being victimized or being a victim so that makes it sometimes difficult to to talk with them or to deal with them both as a therapist and as an individual or friend or somebody that's that knows one um you know i've i've um drawn on the I guess for this episode, I've drawn on research from kind of three different sources. One, two of them are books. One of them is more of just some some stuff I found from Jordan Peterson. The other two books are The Anatomy of Peace and then The Bonds That Make Us Free, which are books about self-betrayal and self-deception. And so they delve into the victim mindset pretty extensively and have some good good information in there. So, um, But really, first of all, just to kind of look at the victim mindset or victim mentality, uh, I think we need to understand that those who really amplify their victimhood, uh, they really are going against the cons- their conscience and they, in a sense, are really trying to evade the responsibility or re- they are trying to evade responsibility and they are looking for reasons why someone or something else is to blame for their loss. So in other words, in simpler terms, um, they're using their victimhood to justify or excuse themselves. Um, a victim tends to concern themselves more with being prepared with an excuse rather than, you know, trying to understand a situation. So it's so, and the reason that they want to have that excuse is that so it's clear to it's clear to them and to others that they've been unfairly deprived, and that it is to, um, you know, to to kind of point that out there. So their really desire is not to really win or enjoy getting something done. They just want to be prepared with some type of reason as to why something didn't go their way or didn't go right. Um, oftentimes, people will go to extreme lengths to prove that they've been treated um, unfairly. Uh, you know, in fact, in the uh, in the book, The Bonds That Make Us Free, uh, there's a story that's been, that's told um, by a businessman who actually, he's a, he, on the side, he coaches tennis or he's a tennis coach of some sort. And one summer he did some research and he watched just a ton of matches and tournaments of tennis. Um, and he came to an, a, a, what he thought was an intriguing conclusion. And his, his thought or his, I guess, hypothesis was that except in a very few matches, usually ones that were with world-class performers, there came a point in every match that in, in some cases it was even close to the beginning when the loser decided he was going to lose. And then after that, everything that he did was aimed to provide an explanation as to why he would have lost. He may do things like throw himself at every ball so he'll be able to say that he's done his best against a superior opponent. He may dispute calls so he'll say that he's been robbed. He may swear at himself and throw his racket so he can say it was apparent all along he wasn't in top form. And his energies really go into not winning but into producing an explanation or an excuse or a justification for losing. And this is really no different for those who amplify their victimhood. Uh, they're basically doing the same kind of thing. They're just, they're not necessarily out to win, like I mentioned before, or to try to, you know, be successful. They really just want to um, validate their victimhood. And so they look for reasons for that and they build their case as to justify their reasonings for, um, for the loss. I mean, I know personally, um, I mean, I've come into contact with people where, you know, like say they, like I've done marathons or half marathons before and, 
Um, you know, you talk about running races and maybe I'm guilty of this myself, but you know, the, you, you talk to them and it's like the first thing out of their mouth is just a list of excuses as to why, why they, you know, didn't do as well or why they weren't as successful at the race. And the whole time I might be thinking is like, well, what about just the fact that you just ran a marathon or a half marathon? I mean, that's an accomplishment of itself and maybe just to focus on the good, which we're going to talk about later as far as overcoming that mindset. But you know, what you hear is just more excuses or reasonings for them not doing as well. And that's, you know, and again, kind of they're building that along the way as they go. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, I got a cramp and I had that cramp and now the cramp's going to keep me from doing well. So anyway, just some things that victims do to kind of maintain that victim mentality. Um, but the one thing about having that victim mentality is, is that it's an instrument of blame, obviously, but it can have, it can have some bizarre implications. Um, and by bizarre, I think it just means some things that maybe we don't recognize or things that, you know, have a, have a, have an impact, not only within ourselves, but in the way that we look at the world. So like the first thing that it can, that it can do is that, you know, in a sense, when you look at what being a victim is made up of, it's really that your belief, your belief in your own goodness depends on the belief in someone else's badness. So just try to let that sink in for a little bit. So your belief in your own goodness depends upon the belief in someone else's badness. So, and ultimately it's like somebody has to be bad in order for you to feel good. And, you know, it's, again, it's kind of not really a great lens to view the world through. Um, the second thing is that we can't just, we can't justify withholding kindness to people unless we find, well, unless we find or invent some reason why they don't deserve it. So again, it's like we could just kind of, be kind and do something nice, but instead, um, you know, we create some kind of reason as to why they don't deserve it. And then we end up, you know, again, withholding that from them. So, you know, that's kind of these things that are, you know, curious, I guess, to the, the victim mentality, but, but also again, from a, from a way of being or a way of living, you know, are not really great things for that person. Uh, a third implication is, is that if those that we accuse treat us well, which is a was a big dilemma. So now the people that we think, oh, they're bad people or we blame them for something, they start to treat us well. We now lose our excuse for treating them poorly. So now what's what are we going to do when somebody treats us well that we thought was a bad person or um, or was unkind to us or did something to some some injustice to us? And now all of a sudden we find them treating us good. Well, what I've seen, not only personally, but in you know therapy, is that what this often leads to or perpetuates is what I refer to as the drama triangle. And in the drama triangle, you have a rescuer, you have a persecutor, and you have a victim. So there's three different people, three different roles, or I guess more three different roles because there doesn't necessarily have to be three different people. But in that triangle, when the victim um, is treated nicely, say the rescuer comes in and treats them nicely and you know does something well for them, now, what happens oftentimes is that the victim will shift over to the persecutor role and they'll attack you for some random reason or some random thing as a way to, again, to kind of get themselves back into that victim role because that's what they're trying to hang on to. So so if your niceness can be now construed as something negative, then that still makes them the victim and they're still in that place, which, again, 
implication wise seems crazy sounds really unreasonable in some sense of why somebody would go to those lengths to do that but that's but that's what can happen so another story that kind of illustrates that from the book um, the bonds that make us three it's talking about two sisters and so I'm just gonna read this it says I was going to a dance but didn't have the dress I wanted to wear I could picture it lying in a heap of a heap in the corner of my sister's bedroom wrinkled stain and untouched since the day she borrowed it two weeks before um, so again she's building up that that reasoning as to the problem with the dress and you know the negativity towards her sister then I heard a knock at the door it was my sister with my freshly clean dress in her hand um, did I thank her for her thoughtfulness no I immediately began to berate her for um, I, I immediately began to berate her instead I demanded to know why she hadn't returned it sooner had she carelessly stained it so she'd had to have it cleaned or was she just inconsiderate about when I might need it again so again as opposed to just receiving the niceness she's now finding a way to kind of persecute her sister for again not doing something right or doing something in the wrong way so she goes on to say of course of course now the sister became defensive you know you should have told me you needed it earlier or that you really didn't want to lend it to me I shouldn't and then she responds I shouldn't have to beg you to return what's mine um, she threw the dress at me take your stupid dress I'll never borrow anything from you again and she stomped out and then the sister replies see I thought to myself she wasn't even grateful that I let her borrow it so now okay so again you have that re rescuer victim persecutor kind of you know she's putting herself in the victim role poor me I don't have a dress because my sister took it from me now sister comes in super nice she attacks sister for again bringing her dress back in the wrong way even though she had it cleaned or whatever and then ultimately when sister leaves now she's still the victim because why oh she wasn't even grateful that she had borrowed it and obviously that scenario did not produce that type of response but that's what the victim will do um, you know not to um, play any kind of like name game or anything but you know I've definitely seen this play out in a few different family situations um, where someone takes the role of the victim because they feel mistreated or left out in some way and then the attempt I've seen the attempt made time after time to include them or treat them like or treat them quote-unquote better meaning like they probably already do treat them good but again they're gonna make another effort to treat them better and then it just ends up being picked apart or persecuted so that individual can remain in the victim's role and I mean again um, families it's 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 a common thing but definitely in certain situations I've, I've seen it more common um, in terms of um, some specific dynamics but you know but that whole that whole idea is for that person just they want to be in that victim role and they don't want to take ownership or responsibility for their part in anything and so they just continue to go back and forth between the victim and the persecutor so that's I think that's probably the worst dynamic to deal with because that person really is stuck in their victim and they really are doing everything they can to not um, be accountable or responsible in any way and like I said the the bouncing between the victim and the persecutor really makes that difficult so um, so all in all adopting the attitude of the victim really does help the individual avoid responsibility for themselves which I've stated um, and you know if uh, and 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 really kind of even in relation to some of the examples already um, because they adopt that attitude some people are are willing to pay any price 
to hold on to that victim mindset. And by any price, I really mean any price. I mean, they, they're willing to lose relationships, jobs, opportunities for success and various things, and really even destroy things that they ultimately just treasure themselves. And so it's pretty sad um, that that actually happens. Um, and they get to that point where they're willing to do that. But again, I think if we know people in that mindset or have that mentality and have carried it for a long time, I think we've seen that happen. You know, we've seen them destroy relationships or lose relationships or opportunities for, for success or whatever it may be to, to, to hold on to that victim mindset. Um, and something I hadn't thought about before I did this research is that victims can unfortunately acquire a taste for the momentary relief from responsibility and accountability that being a victim actually provides. So it actually is, was described as like kind of like the bitter nectar or even like that feeling being more narcotic like so like a drug to them. So they get this sense of um yeah, almost like a, you could say like a high out of being out of being the victim and kind of per, you know perpetuating that forward and getting out of the responsibility. So interesting kind of way to look at it um, that that actually happens or that it can become like a drug to them that they pursue and persist over but at the same time um, it's not surprising it just was a little shocking to kind of hear it said in that way so those are kind of that's kind of like the summary from some of the stuff I got from the um, the um, the anatomy of peace book as well as the bonds that make us free book um kind of moving on to jordan peterson some of the stuff i got from him um you know he's def he's definitely studied the victim mindset and he provides some really interesting insight into into it as well uh, i actually came across a youtube video he had so you're definitely can welcome to to look that up uh, jordan peterson is his name and if you just kind of go jordan peterson victim mindset uh, i'm sure it will pop up and you'll know it because it has a very interesting uh take on it and he's actually using the character of pinocchio from the movie pinocchio to outline the process of becoming a victim and a couple of key points i'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's it's kind of hard to explain without listening to it but just a couple key points that i took from it was that uh first is that being a victim ultimately is an abandonment of responsibility that's really what that comes down to uh, second thing is that if if I'm a victim, then everyone else owes me something. And that's kind of like more of like their approach to the world is that, you know, me being a victim means that you owe me something or I deserve something from you. And finally, the third point that he made out, and this was really um, kind of really the most insightful point that I that I took out of it was that he said life is only as meaningful as the responsibility you take on so life is only as meaningful as the responsibility you take on so what I took from that is that if a victim is abandoning responsibility um, if that's kind of what they do then in a sense you're abandoning full you're abandoning a meaningful life because life's mean only meaningful as as it, as the responsibility that you take on so um, so yeah so a victim really doesn't have any kind of real sense of meaning in their life because they don't take on responsibility or they try to push it away or try to pass it on to other people. So really, again, that's another point that kind of made me sad, but it also explained why many perpetual victims are not very happy. And that is because life's not really that meaningful to them. Um, they don't really get much out of life other than just being kind of like able to avoid that sense of responsibility or accountability for things. 
Um, there's not really much else to it. So it is kind of a sad, miserable life, you know, in a sense. Um, you know, and I think also if life's not very meaningful, like I said, it become it comes it can become very a, a miserable place to be. So if you yourself, maybe not even to the degree to like what a victim mentality is, but if you're struggling with any kind of meaning or purpose in your life, uh, maybe take a look at your relationship with responsibility. What are you doing or not doing in that category to, you know, be more responsible um, look at your relationship like I said with responsibility and there might be some clues there for you and how you can increase your sense of meaning um, within your life so now I guess that's kind of a, a summary of the, the understanding of the victim mindset and some of the things I put together like I said I think there's some interesting dynamics there but now you might be asking okay so what if I deal with somebody who's a victim who has that victim mentality well from the research, I mean, obviously trying to understand where they're coming from and, you know, if, if that if that truly is them, hopefully some of this stuff will put some give you some clarity on that. But the best thing that we can really do and the, from what the research kind of said and the things that I've kind of found was that is that you, you just have to have to try to understand, have some understanding for the person as well as some compassion for why they may be the way they are. Why are they using the victim role as a defense mechanism for themselves? And the reality is many victims are motivated by fear. So in other words, the world seems very threatening to them. So instead of taking on those fears, they do so in more of a self-defense manner, which is to be the victim. So that's how they defend themselves in the, in, the, in the sight of fear and feeling overwhelmed and feeling threatened by whatever life throws at them. The idea of taking on a responsibility really just creates more fear because they're not sure that they'll be able to handle it or move through it or whatever. So if they take on more of a self-defensive approach and become a victim, then that's a way that they kind of avoid that, or at least in their minds, they're diminishing that fear, which in some sense, again, it's not really giving them any kind of value or purpose to life. They're just stuck in this box of victimization. And so trying to have some understanding for their, for their fears or for the way that they see life, I guess that's one way that we can kind of give them compassion but it doesn't exactly always necessarily get them out of the box. Um, you know, and again, depending on kind of what their relationship is to us, there might be some other things that we can do and try, trying to help them or trying to bring them along. But again, like I said earlier, that's a, that's a delicate road because they can become offended so easily. So understanding compassion and knowing that they're coming from a place of fear is really the best place for the person dealing with um, a victim. Now, if you kind of have a sense that you're a victim or you've identified with anything we've talked about, um, I also have three or four things that you can start to do or think about doing to kind of bring yourself out of that mindset. Um, obviously, you know, first and foremost, and this is even one of the things on my list, is just that you have to want to change. Um, you know, that, that has to be the primary motive is that you have to want this for yourself um, and for anybody in your life. So the first thing I would say is just to simply, but not so simple, stop blaming. I know that's really, it is easier said than done, but just try to stop or try to stop doing this by using the simple technique. When something happens um, to you, try to see your part first and accept your responsibility first. Um, I think that will be hard, but you can do it. It's, and it's something that we can practice, you know, it, because again, the victim is going to immediately look for, like I said, those excuses or for reasons to blame or someone to blame. So if we can just start by saying, okay, 
what is my part in this or what did I do or what can I do or what might have I done to cause this, then it just gets us out of that initial kind of just falling into that victim mindset so quickly that then we, you know, we, we become trapped in and then we never find our way through it in order to accept what our responsibility is. So starting with how we can be responsible where it's like, hey, I could have studied harder for that test or maybe I could have been more prepared for that job interview or maybe you know, it was my lack of attention to detail that got me in trouble or whatever it might be. So just trying to start with something that we can be accountable for. Uh, the second thing I thought of was that we need to become aware of um, the root of your sense of powerlessness or in other words, where are your fears coming from? So like I talked about earlier, you know, there's some type of fear or threat that we have in relation to things. So trying to understand where those fears come from. I think in addition to that also too, is that we can also write a list of ways you can, ch um, ways that you can change, um, you know, a bad situation. And so if you go through something, this is kind of, again, maybe going back to the stop blaming thing, but but it's like if something happens, what's a list of things I can do to maybe change it? Or if I feel like I'm stuck in a situation, so I, I, I don't want to be like powerless to it, what are some things I can do to change? Because it's really almost never true that we can do absolutely nothing to change our circumstances. I know a lot of times I've talked to people in that victim mindset. And it's like, nope, can't do anything. Nope. Nope. There's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. And again, they just kind of want to be in that state of powerless, powerlessness and instead of addressing their fears and kind of where they're coming from and finding and maybe looking at a list of things that they could do to change the situation, they want to, they kind of gravitate to being more stuck in the powerlessness. So become aware of your fears and try to create a list of things you can do to change your circumstances and that will help you to get out of that as well. The third thing is really to just to be kind to yourself. You know, obviously we all struggle with things. There's no reason to to think that you're the only one that's going to make mistakes in life and bad things are going to happen to, but we can be kind to ourselves um, because ultimately claiming the victim role actually just intensifies our pain. So if we're looking to try to, you know, have less pain by being a victim, it really doesn't work that way. It really just adds more pain to ourselves. So try to be kind to ourselves, accept that, Hey, there's going to be some mistakes and, you know, just try to own what we can. And then the last thing that I thought of, was just for us to practice gratitude. You know, it's hard to hold a place for being a victim when we're focusing on good in our lives or the things that we're grateful for. And, you know, I mean, gratitude is really such a counter to so many things in our lives. It's a counter to shame. It's a counter to obviously being a victim. Um, it's such a, it, it's a, it's a counter to being sad. So focusing on gratitude really helps to shift our mindset in so many different ways and, and no no different than the victim mindset. So anyway, so those are the things to help us to become, uh, I guess, to help us get out of the victim mentality if we're looking to do that. And and hopefully we are. Hopefully we want to start the new year off right. We want to improve on the things that we struggle with and try to be more proactive in that. I know in, um, um, you know, one of the things that when I was asked to do this, this podcast, it was like kind of overcoming the victim mentality and also improving our critical thinking. I, I want to do that in a separate episode because I think that's that's an episode all in itself. But I think, you know, getting getting off to a good start with trying to just be more mindful of this victim mentality in our lives and how we can do those four things to try to overcome it and work through it. That's a good start. And then we can try to work on the critical thinking. So that will be more of an upcoming episode. 
And again, just as a reminder, um, look for some great episodes coming up in January. Uh, I've got some great guests. Again, Kara Yuri Lott, Your Las Vegas Therapist is her website. Um, and she's going to be great for helping couples get on track for the new year. And like I said, we've got some other great guests in January I think will help us get off to a great start. So with that said, looking forward to it and looking forward to a great year with some great episodes and great guests. I know there's going to be some great stories shared as well as we go through this. And I'm just excited for 2020 and uh, what that can bring. Again, email me, ryanwinder@gmail.com, or get on the Facebook group page, The Vegas Therapist, Ryan, at Ryan Winder uh, Facebook group. And give me your comments or feedback and things you'd like to see on the show. All right. This is The Vegas Therapist signing off till next time.